This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I'm here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. I'm going to assume that most of you know us and know where to find us and such like this. This is going to be a fairly short podcast because this is something that comes up a lot, especially as it relates to talking about sleep. And it's the relationship between cortisol and insulin, right? And so if you are low carb, if you are intermittent fasting, this is something that's gonna really interest you. And so Susan, why don't you give people the general idea and then we'll kind of go from there. We're planning on this being a pretty short podcast. Okay, thanks so much, Paul. So the first thing I wanna just express is that when we talk about cortisol as a stress hormone, it, it, it there's good stress and bad stress, right? We call it you know, negative stress, you and 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 good stress being positive stress or you stress. Um, and so cortisol is really important for, let's say, an athlete to get out of the blocks. We need cortisol levels to spike. That's part of um, of getting ready for a very high intensity event, cortisol movement. Cortisol allows for that action. And what's interesting about a spike in cortisol is that its, uh, its effect is um, a, new, a number of things, including allowing for a cascade of other biochemical events that allows glucose to go into the cell without insulin. And we have to be able to do that because cortisol actually decreases insulin sensitivity, increases production of insulin. And so how could that possibly make any sense if when you're getting ready for a high intensity physical activity and that cortisol spikes that, that at the same time, you lose the action of the hormone that is primarily responsible for moving carbohydrate into the cell. It's because we have another system that allows for carbohydrate to move into the cell when we are being physically active. And so insulin um, production drops. In the same vein that when you have zero carbohydrate available and you are not producing insulin that you don't, or that you don't need it. And in fact, we never have zero carbohydrate, but very low carbohydrate diet. That is a signal to the body that it is a stress response and carbohydrate and, and excuse me, and insulin levels um, are dropped, cortisol goes up. But that is not for a moment in time, that is for an extended period of time. The body does really well with a cortisol spike and then get the response and it goes back down. But when we are in a stressed, a stressed um, situation that is unending and cortisol levels remain high over a period of time because of this stress demand, then we become dysfunctional. Then insulin does not respond as it should, we become even when insulin is secreted, we become insensitive to it. And things that can produce that response include being overtired. Not enough rest is a stressful situation for the body. 
very low carbohydrate diets over time have been shown to increase cortisol. And there's many, many, many studies that show this, that um, you know, other you know, intensely anxiety producing situations will increase cortisol. And so, so they have opposite effects when your cortisol is high over time, insulin production um, and insulin sensitivity at the cellular level diminishes. So just to be clear, it's almost like a handshake, right? So when carbohydrates are present, this is not in the, in the immediate stressful response, right? Cortisol works differently in that regard. But in terms of kind of that long-term effect when you're not providing enough insulin or carbohydrate or pro protein where you have an insulogenic effect, then cortisol is going to thrive, right? And then when you bring carbohydrates or protein into the situation, it's almost like a handshake where the, the insulin's like, okay, I've got it from here, right? right. Is, that, is that close to correct? Yes, yes. And, and in addition, you, know, you mentioned intermittent fasting. And so intermittent fasting for short, you know, short intermittent fasting, when I think of like, overnight or even 12 hours, that's not, that doesn't create a dysfunction. But real fasting where, where you may go a day or two um, with an extremely low caloric intake or longer, that means that your body needs access to proteins, to amino acids, because we don't have a store of amino acids to draw on. And when that happens, uh, the body says, I have to access amino acids or in other words, proteins from somewhere. And it's cortisol's job, part of it, to release those proteins. Uh, and so you start to use the only actual storage of proteins that we have, which is your tissues and muscles. That's not what we want to access. That's why we need dietary protein every day. So if you have a day on an occasion, for instance, a religious fast or something like that, that's no worry. But on a very regular basis, yes, you will start to stress your body and cortisol plays a very important role during times of famine and fasting to extend your life by taking the proteins that you need for daily living functions and, and utilize them. But that's not the goal of the optimal way to live. So I said we would keep this short and we're, we're definitely going to, so people can consume this a little bit easier. But I also kind of want to explain a little bit more what she's referring to in relationship to intermittent fasting, because Really, any dieting is similar, right? When you're consuming less food, you're more prone to have cortisol present than you would be if you're eating in a more balanced way at a higher calorie point, right? Now, there's always kind of a lot of ways to look at it, but I think that for the most part, people are going to be listening to this short podcast and they're going to be listening to it related to um, kind of dysfunctional sleep. And they're not necessarily connecting the fact that they're super low calorie diet or them not eating for, like you said, 24 hours or, or even more than that, right? Or not eating for 24 hours 
and also eating low carb, you're essentially using like a nuclear bomb to kill a cockroach, right? Like you, you really don't want to be that extreme about it. Right. And I understand, you know, we're all in a hurry to get back to normal and normal weight, you know, and whatever it is your health goals might be. But at the end of the day, you have to do it in a way that doesn't harm more than it, than it helps. Right. You know, and so so I'll give you the last word and then we'll move. Well, so so, the, yeah, right. So the additive effect of doing you know, you start with a caloric deficit, which is part of the equation of weight loss, um, which may give you a little small bump in, in cortisol, depending on how large that calorie deficit may be. But then if you start to add things on top of that, a much larger calorie deficit, uh, you know, increasing uh, or diminishing carbohydrate availability, now you're, you're not sleeping well, um, whatever, whatever the combination is, it's like you're doing one step forward and two steps back. The cortisol going higher and higher will give you diminishing returns on your caloric deficit. It will slow everything down and, and it's going to, um, that, that increased stress response is not going to allow you to get to your goals. It's kind of like you're building bricks for a building and a sledgehammer comes by and just keeps knocking it down. That's what will happen when you keep adding these things together. So, you know, one solution, as we said, is when you're in a caloric deficit, don't also drop your carbs to nothing. You know, that's a, you know, that's a double whammy. Take Take it slow on your carbs, feed yourself and, and allow for the deficit. So, well, and I said, I said, I would give you, sorry, don't, don't mean to speak over you, but, but I said, I would give you the last word, but I think one of the things that happens and, 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 you know, we'll end on this note is that people have dysfunctional sleep, right. And they're sleeping four to five hours and then they go, well, I need to lose 10 to 20 pounds, Right. You'd be better off fixing the sleep, kind of figuring out that cortisol piece, things of that nature, kind of get some good habits in place and then focusing on the deficit. But if you focus on the deficit, like, like Susan's saying, you're a little bit more prone to tear down muscle and not fat. And that's obviously not the goal. So, all right. I think we did that. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people who don't necessarily understand the relationship. And I appreciate you helping me out with that one. Talk to you later.